So who is the January 6th pipe bomber? Well, many of you had that question on social media yesterday. I'm going to go straight to the source. FBI whistleblower Kyle Serafin joins us to discuss. Representative Cori Bush is being investigated by the Department of Justice, and it's not for being one of the dumbest members of Congress, unfortunately. Gavin Wax joins me to detail the headlines in today's news cycle. And we're back on YouTube after being suspended for a week. I tell you why YouTube is looking to nuke our page. Fulton County District Attorney Fannie Willis. Her case is imploding against President Trump and his co-defendants. I bring you the very latest on that. All that and more on The Brianna Morello Show. It's been a crazy news cycle, and there are so many stories to get to, but we just never have enough time. So let's do a little quick recap on the news cycle, what's in the headlines, and we're going to start off with New York City. Now, there's this video out there right now that has so many Americans outraged because it shows NYPD officers getting assaulted by a group of migrants. Yeah, so so those illegal migrants who have illegally broken into our country, it's strange when they are also breaking more laws when they finally get to cities like New York City. But here they are gating up on these cops and, and assaulting them. And the part in this that's outrageous is they've actually all been released without cash bail, which is, like we've spoken about before, is a common theme in New York, as many of you know. Back in 2019, New York got rid of cash bail for nonviolent crimes. So this one is just mind-blowing to me. I want to bring in a New Yorker who knows all about this, and he's very, very familiar with it. Let's bring in Gavin Wax. He's the president of New York Young Republican Club. Gavin, thank you for jumping on with us today. We greatly appreciate it. No, it's great to be here. I'm excited to talk about this, uh, you know, crisis facing New York. Yeah, it's really unfortunate because, you know, I left New York and I don't <laughs> I don't want to rub that in your face, Gavin, but <laughs> I know many of my New York friends are still there and this is the type of things you have to deal with. So based on what you're seeing here in this video, is this a common theme in New York? Are migrants really uh, causing this much of a disruption in New York City or is this just a, a rare occasion where uh, a mob of them are just becoming violent towards N- the NYPD. No, this is certainly a, a commonality uh, among uh, the, the illegal migrants in this city. Uh, they have a higher rate of uh, of criminality associated with them. I mean, they're criminals to begin with because they're here illegally. Uh, you know, that's the first step. And then any other crimes they engage in uh, is just icing on the cake. But uh, they've only added uh, to this sort of uh, anarchy that has plagued uh, the streets and subways of, of this city now for many years. Uh, we already have our own homegrown a crime wave facing the country at large, but in particular urban America and places like New York City, where we have many derelict district attorneys and left-wing judges who refuse uh, to hand out tough sentences, who refuse to prosecute crimes. And you have a legislature in Albany and in the city council that passes, uh, you know, routinely passes laws that tie the hands of cops and uh, reward criminals. It's uh, the sort of anarcho-tyranny, rewarding the criminals, punishing law-abiding citizens, and tying cops' uh, hands behind their backs. And you add a migrant crisis into it, uh, into the mix. You have all these people. We don't know where they're from. We don't know where they are. Uh, We can't keep track of them. We don't know their criminal histories. And they're just running rampant on the streets, committing violent acts against, uh, you know, peaceful uh, New Yorkers, and even now against uh, NYPD officers themselves, and they'll be let they'll be let out on a desk appearance ticket, you know, no bail, uh, and just free to roam the streets again. There's absolutely no. Uh, repercussions for these people. And of course, they're not going to show up for their next court hearing or whatever it may be. They're completely uh, walking away scot-free. So this is the Democrat-ruled New York City uh, at its, at its I, would, I wouldn't say finest, but at its lowest. 
Yeah. And I think it's interesting because back in 2018, I guess when I read through criminal justice reform, I knew that was my, I had to leave. Uh, ultimately when they, when they put this bill together, they, they included possession of child pornography as a nonviolent crime. And I realized I couldn't, I couldn't live in a society with people who think that's not violent. I mean, it's disturbing in itself. And it's upsetting that you see videos like this of NYPD officers getting assaulted and the suspects involved in this situation. I mean, they're on camera these are obviously violent people that you should not want in your country. And yet here we are giving them a second or third opportunity to commit more violent acts. But also, let I want to talk a little bit about NYPD recruitment. Obviously, it's at all time lows. Nobody wants to join the force, which is r- rare because, you know, I grew up on Long Island. Everyone would leave Long Island and go work in New York City. And the NYPD is one of the forces that a lot of New Yorkers, Long Islanders did jump jump on and join. But because of incidences like this, you're not getting NYPD officers. And then you're also getting which is interesting because I saw this earlier today, the how many steps uh, ban, which was pretty much passed. New York City Council overrode the uh, mayor's veto, which was interesting enough in itself. But it seems to be a New York City Council. There's very few people who are against it, but they seem to hate police officers. And so ultimately this, this passed with flying colors and it's just another incentive on why so many New Yorkers are not going to become NYPD officers and why they're leaving in the first place. So Gavin, why is this bill are horrible for New Yorkers and the NYP as a whole? Well, listen, you brought up a lot of great points. Uh, I know from many uh, friends of mine that, that serve in the NYPD, some in senior uh, leadership roles, that you know recruitment is is facing a there's a massive problem with recruitment. They're struggling to bring in uh, new talent, and uh, you know obviously they face budget cuts uh, both because of the migrant crisis and also the previous defund the police movement. Uh, and obviously, with everything that's been going on, you know, losing things like you know lots of protections that come with qualified immunity, all these new regulations that predate this most recent act that we're about to discuss, but, you know, all the paperwork and, uh, and all the, uh, you know, uh, bureaucracy that the city of New York places on top of officers, uh, it's just not really the kind of job that a, a working or middle-class individual, either in the five boroughs or Long Island, and New Jersey, and in any of the suburbs would like to, to take on anymore. And, and the NYPD at one point was a real vehicle, uh, you know, for for progress for, for a young individual looking to have a good income, have good benefits, and have a good job and good career path. It's just not the same anymore. So, and that's a very sad thing. And now you see acts like they just passed recently, uh, the Too Many Stops Act or whatever the heck they're calling it. Uh, This is just more paperwork, more bureaucracy, more ways and more means for the uh, city bureaucracy uh, to enrich itself while uh, punishing law enforcement officers for doing their job and for basically making the city uh, less and less safe for New Yorkers. I mean, New Yorkers overwhelmingly view crime as one of the top issues facing their city. uh, And we have this elected council, the city council of elected buffoons uh, who are so radical, who are so far to the left, who are so progressive, uh, they can't even take their blinders off for one minute uh, to respect the issues and the concerns of their own constituents. But this is what happens when you have a one-party city and a one-party town and a one-party state. Uh, There's no political competition and you get these absolute radical ideologues uh, running things into the ground without consequence. And this is why uh, we as Republicans that are still here need to fight tooth and nail uh, to grow the party, get it to a point where we can at least uh, maintain a veto. And I, I give Mayor Adams props for at least having the courage to veto this. Uh, it's it's a good you know sign that his administration is at least taking some of this stuff seriously. I only wish that his colleagues in the Democrat Party uh, were as sympathetic uh, to the view of 
the vast majority of New Yorkers that crime is completely out of control. But this is just another day of lunacy coming out of City Hall. And uh, I'm hoping it ends soon. I'm hoping we can have some, uh, you know, election results in the next few years that will turn this around. Yeah. New York City City Council is, is so crazy that like Eric Adams actually looks moderate to Republican at this right. point. He, he and he's not he's not he's a former member of the NYPD. But ultimately, he between this and the immigration issue that they're having right now in New York City, he's been pretty outspoken about both. And so it's been interesting to kind of watch him maneuver around all of this, even even with the protests going on with the pro-Palestinian protesters. I mean, he's he's been pretty outspoken about that as well. So it's interesting to see from a Democrat leading New York City. Uh, his colleagues, though, they're on the crazier side of things. I want to jump to Iowa because there were some incidences that have been occurring lately that are quite interesting. But this one's regarding the Capitol over there. If you recall, I've spoken about it previously, but a man named Michael Cassidy, actually, he's a former congressional candidate, I should mention, from Mississippi. He actually kind of, I think he keeps saying decapitated. It was a satanic, we have the picture here. It was a satanic temple display that they had set up in the Capitol and he cut off the head, I guess. Uh, it's disgusting. It's disturbing. But obviously, as a believer, this is something that you do not allow to happen, especially in your state's capital. And so ultimately, he was he did he did have uh, initial charges, but they actually just stepped it up and they've charged him with a hate crime, which is quite interesting because this doesn't appear to be a hate r- crime unless you consider Satanicness, saint like worshiping Satan as a religion, which many of us don't. Uh, it's demonic in, in itself. Gavin, what do you make out of all of this? Because charging this as a hate crime seems to be disgusting to to many of us. I think. No, this this really pisses me off. I mean, first off, I'll start by saying that uh, Satanism is not a religion. It should not be afforded the protections that come with uh, you know religious rights and, and freedoms and liberties. This is a mockery to all religion. It's a mockery to anyone who believes in God, who believes in a moral uh, world. It, 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 it's a disgusting group of people, and they should not uh, be able to make a mockery uh, of of Christianity and 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 this country's you know very uh, respectful religious freedoms and liberties with these stupid displays and. Uh, this is happening not in a blue city, not in a blue state. This is not happening in New York. This is happening in conservative and evangelical Iowa, where they have you know majorities in both chambers there of their state legislature, where they have a Republican governor in Kim Reynolds, and you still see this uh, this pastor, this Christian, uh, who destroyed this satanic uh, display. And I give him all the props in the world. We need you know thousands more like him who are not willing, who are willing to not only you know believe in in, in the principles of of their faith. Faith, but actually act on it, you know, good for him. We have a lot of people that I call them religious hucksters. They use religion as a way to advance their own ends, you know, usually grifting in the political process, but they hardly act Christian themselves. He saw a problem and he dealt with it. So kudos to him. Uh, and I would just ask, where is uh, where's Governor Kim Reynolds? Where's all these uh, state legislators in Iowa? They were all taking fat uh, checks from the DeSantis PAC, you know, was it never back down and all these other entities during the uh, primary process or excuse me, the caucus process. Uh, as part of the Republican primaries. And, uh, you know, they were all talking about the uh, social conservative evangelical uh, credentials of people like Ron DeSantis. Okay, well, why why don't they put their money where their mouth is? They got these fat, you know, checks from those uh, PACs. Why don't they actually defend a fellow 
Christian and end this uh, ridiculous prosecution of him in their home state, uh, these charges should be dropped immediately. He should be fully uh, exonerated and they should bring a bill to the floor of the uh, Iowa legislature saying that, you know, they are no longer going to uh, extend uh, any protections to these satanic displays in the Capitol. And uh, they're going to extend uh, full, you know, protection to the fullest extent that they can uh, to individuals that go after these displays because these displays are meant to uh, instigate. They're meant to uh, cause a reaction. They're meant to divide and uh, and and poke fun at, uh, you know, all God fearing Christians. So good on him for taking this down and uh, shame on all the Republican legislatures uh, in the state of Iowa for doing practically nothing to defend him and allowing this uh, nonsense to continue. Yeah, it, it really seems like a safe issue for them to get behind and to speak out on. And for some reason, they can't even do the bare minimum in this situation, which is disturbing, but we're seeing it all over the place. And I think it's interesting that's happening at Iowa. But ultimately, I don't know. I, I don't understand why we're not seeing people like Kim Reynolds step up and say, this is ridiculous, guys, stop this. Uh, and they're even stepping it up by adding the hate charge to it, which wasn't initially one of the charges he was facing. So it's it's. I'm disturbing. sure they're going to blame I'm sure they're going to blame some kind of federal statute or 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 minor rule or something in the code. And and to that, they should just, you know, have the balls to say, who cares? You know, look at what Texas is doing. Look at what other states are doing. You know, these if they if there's some supposed law on the book somewhere in the federal bureaucracy, uh, then, you know, just just tell them to pound sand and tell them, you know, to enforce it themselves. But this is coming from a local uh, Iowa county. I forget the name of the county uh, that that's prosecuting him. And they could easily pass some law. And, and extend either some kind of legislative or executive authority uh, to, to stop this from happening and prevent it, more importantly, from happening again in the future, both the display itself and this uh, this ridiculous prosecution. Um, but, you know, they're going to they're going to find any excuse they can uh, to sit on their uh, sit on their hands and, and do nothing. So, you know, shame on them and uh, shame on all these people that, you know, proudly, you know, pump up their chests to claim how evangelical and Christian they are. And then when it comes to a, a, demo, a literal demonic dis display uh, in this right in the center of their own capital, they they can't even muster up the strength to do anything about it. I mean, that's just the height of uh, hypocrisy and, and being utterly pathetic. Yeah, no, it is pathetic. And, and it's, it's interesting that no one's standing by his side and really speaking out on his behalf, uh, politically, I guess I should say. But uh, this is Polk County is the one who's prosecuting him in this. So uh, the state definitely could step in and say something and do something about it. It's just they don't want to. And we see that so many times. We see it in Fulton County, too. I mean, literally, uh, I could, we're going to talk about it later in the show. But, oh, my gosh, Fannie Willis's office. I mean, the amount of, of just ethical violations going on right now and the fact that the charges are still sticking and Brian Kemp hasn't stepped in the governor of Georgia and said, all right, guys, like we, we got it. What's going on here? Uh, even today, she's, earlier today, she's being accused of misusing federal dollars funding. And yeah. there's it's on audio, we have the tapes. And for some reason, and they fired the person who, who was the whistleblower in that situation. And for some reason, we still can't get Kemp to speak out or even Chris Carr, their attorney general. So uh, it's, it's, common. it's a corrupt, it's a corrupt third world cesspool. And you have these, uh, you know, these, these establishment, good old boy Republicans in, mm -hmm. in, in Georgia, uh, who don't want to touch it. Cause obviously that they don't like Trump because Trump called them out on all of their other nonsense over the last few years, especially as it pertained to the election. Uh, and they rather do nothing. So, I mean, this is the kind of fight we're up against. We're fighting a two front war. We're fighting on one hand, uh, these corrupt left wing district attorneys like, like Fannie Willis, who are so brazen and blatant in, 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 in their corruption and their incompetence and their, uh, you know, 
how politicized they are in, in, in carrying out the duties of their office. And then you have these completely weak, bought off, uh, you know, just limp wristed Republicans like uh, like Kemp who don't want to do anything uh, in, in their own state, who, who don't want to exercise any authority or any power uh, to stop this nonsense. And uh, they could. They have majorities. And again, they have legislative. But these are all trifecta Republican states. They could pass bills. They could sign bills. They could enforce laws. They could use other laws that are on the books. And they choose to do nothing. And this is why Republicans are getting sick of the Republican elected officials, which surprisingly is always in these deep red states, by the way, we were talking about, you know, New York, New York city, the city council. I mean, I know we have a lot of, you know, real fighters in the city council, you know, where I grew up in Queens, it's represented by Vicki Palladino in the city council. She's going into that chamber and fighting tooth and nail for her constituents against these radical left-wing Democrats pushing the anti-cop bills. And then you go to deep red Georgia, deep red Iowa. And I'm sure we're going to talk about what's happening, I think in Montana as well. And these Republicans do absolutely nothing when confronted uh, with all of these, you know, pressing issues that are, you know, very near and dear to their constituents. Uh, you know, it's, it, it, we can't catch a break here. We have these weak leaders uh, with ours next to their name, and we have these ferocious Democrats uh, who are doing everything they can to advance their radical agenda. So we're getting the worst of all worlds. Yeah. And you mentioned Montana. Montana is interesting right now, guys, because there's a 14 year old child who is saying that they want to transition into another gender. And unfortunately, what's going on with the parents now is the parents are at risk of losing custody of their 14 year olds. Um, and, and so it's all really disturbing. It's because they're refusing to partake in this brainwashing of their child by saying you need to transition or we're going to support you with the transitioning. But the child's 14 years old. And now they've lost custody, it looks like. And ultimately, these, this thing shouldn't be happening in this country. It shouldn't be happening with Republicans in office and in power. But it is, Gavin. I mean, as we just described, they, they don't want to stick their neck out and talk about these issues. But if you think you're safe because you're in Montana, these things are happening and they're happening in places you wouldn't suspect them to happen in. Right, Gavin? Right. These are the places that, that we should be having, you know, wins under our belt where we should be able to show off strong Republican leadership. And let's use the word strong for a second. You know, John Forte, Forte, that's Italian for strong. He's not acting strong at all. He's acting like a complete weak, pathetic little man. I mean, I thought this guy used to be a wrestler or something. Why doesn't he show some backbone and protect uh, you know, the residents of his state, the constituents of his state who are now having their child, you know, forcibly removed to be conduct to be experimented on with these irreversible, disgusting procedures that are going to be completely destructive to their physical and mental health for years to come. I mean, this is absolutely unreal. What is he, the Asha Hutchinson of his state? I mean, talk about another weak loser. I mean, these guys have to get their heads out of their asses and actually do something for once. These are the bare minimum. I mean, I consider all these things we're talking about the very bare minimum. I'm not going to necessarily give them so much props for doing it. This is what it's expected of them, uh, and they can't even do it. So uh, just one state after another, one Republican leader after another. I don't know if people have dirt on these guys. I don't know mm -hmm. if there's compromise. I don't know if they've just been bought and paid for. I don't know if they were just frauds the whole time, or maybe they're just stupid. Maybe all of the above. I don't know. Uh, but I think a lot of people feel the same way you and I do, that we would like to see uh, some real leadership, some le real strength from Republicans for a change and actually have them effectuate on their uh, on their wins and effectuate when they're in government and actually have a Republican conservative governing uh, agenda. And instead, they choose to do nothing and, you know, write these long little 
X threads, which he did on uh, on X, uh, basically mm. defending uh, his inaction. Uh, you know, it, it's just pathetic, and uh, we really need to do a better job uh, primarying these losers out and making sure people like this never get elected. But at the same time, so many of them, you know, they said the right things, and they end up just being such disappointments. Uh, so we have some real problems in the Republican Party uh, across the country, and we have real problems in this country as a whole. Yeah, we do. We do. I want to end it on like a little bit of a higher note. I don't know how high this is going to end, but uh, it looks like Congresswoman Cori Bush, she's under investigation. Apparently, the Department of Justice is looking into her for potentially misusing campaign dollars, it looks like. Uh, she's quite the interesting character because we've spoken about her security issues, right? This is a this is somebody who was elected because she was in a BLM terrorist. She was with all those BLM terrorists back in 2020. And she somehow made her way to Congress. And then she was anti-police when she got there as well. And then she spent thousands and thousands of dollars on her own private security detail, which we all laugh at the hypocrisy behind that too. But ultimately, now it looks like they're looking into her potentially misusing the funds surrounding security. Um, this is quite interesting, Gavin. I don't know what to make of it, only because I don't trust our Department of Justice at this point, being that it's being run by uh, the Biden regime and there's not much coming out of it that's good and honest these days. But what do you make of Cori Bush now being placed under investigation regarding this? Well, you know, nothing, nothing new from from crazy Democrats, radicals like her. They're all, you know, you scratch enough, you find tons of corruption under the surface. But my main point here would be like, why aren't we uh, voting to remove her from Congress? I mean, we've set that precedent. Uh, she hasn't actually been convicted yet, but she's being investigated. So, you know, we don't like her. Why don't we use the majority that we had that we used to remove the uh, uh, the gay, fabulous George Santos? Why don't we use that same majority to remove her? Why don't we use that same majority to remove uh, Elon Omar? Uh, maybe even deport her back to Somalia. I mean, all these people, I mean, if they're being investigated right now, the new precedent has been set. If that you're being investigated uh, for a crime or if there's any semblance of impropriety or fraud or if you've lied in the past, we have a very high standard now. I, I love it. So let's start removing all of these people from elected office. Let's start with uh, her. Let's go on to Elon Omar and, and all the rest of them. Uh, maybe we can start doing some in the Senate and just remove all of them from office. I mean, we have a good precedent now. We removed uh, George Santos. So why stop? Let's keep doing it. Let's do it to their side as well. I think that's only fair. And uh, let's get rid of all of these corrupt liars uh, from Congress. And maybe at the end of the day, we'll have no one left. But if that's the case, I think it'll at least be a much more clean uh, people's house than what we have right now. Yeah, no, I was totally fine with us never even electing a speaker because honestly, if if we could just slow down anything being done right now at this point, it's it, it's a big win for the American people because nothing coming out of DC is positive for us. Uh, but I think it's interesting, right? The Ilhan Omar stuff. First off, George Santos was 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 kicked out of Congress over allegations and was never convicted right. of anything, and so they jumped the boat on that one. But Republicans got in line, and many of them from New York, by the way. Um, but yeah. ultimately, <laughs> ultimately. I, I did message a few of them. Uh, ultimately, it's quite concerning because Ilhan Omar openly is admitting that she's not working for the U.S. The, the Americans, the U.S. government. She's actually working for a foreign government on the behalf of another right. country while she's there. I mean, that if that's not uh, sets precedent for expulsion, I don't know what else does. And yet everyone's so quiet on the issue. This should be something that everyone could be able to unite on because I'm quite concerned because this woman literally said that she's going to prioritize Somalia over America. Right. And still there nothing where's where's the articles of uh, expulsion being introduced? I don't see anything being done right now. Right. Uh so I, I don't we heard maybe about we're just wrapped Santos up in Mayorkas. 
Yeah, we heard about George Santos nonstop, and I'm not necessarily yeah. defending him, but it's like, you know, it was inundated. You couldn't you couldn't move two feet without hearing, you know, the George Santos story. You know, he was the second coming of uh, – he was the Antichrist himself. I mean, it's ridiculous. And then you got people like Omar and Bush and whoever else who are just as bad. You got uh, – you got – Bob, Mement- Bob Menendez in, in the Senate. You got, uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, Blumenthal. All these liars, all these crooks. You got Pocahontas up in Massachusetts. So kick them all out. I mean, great. We set the precedent. You know, if there if there is a standard, fine. The standard was the mere allegation or, or, or investigation or just the indictment was sufficient uh, for removal. Okay, that's fine. I can play by any standard you want to set as long as we're consistent here and it makes sense. Okay, if that is the new standard, that allegations and investigation or an indictment are fine, then we have plenty of people that we could start removing. And I think all the same Republicans, uh, including our, our our near and dear friends in, in New York, the Long Island Caucus, whatever, you know, let's see them also enact a, a very consistent, logical approach and bring uh, forth uh, articles to remove all of these people uh, from the people people's chamber. They can start with Bush. They can continue with Elon. And uh, I will cheer them on and I will donate to their re-election campaigns uh, if they had the balls to do it. I don't think they do, but I hope to be wrong and uh, maybe I'll be wrong for a change. Well, Gavin, you just gave me something to do. I'm going to reach out to their offices and ask them when they plan on doing this. Uh, so yeah. I'm sure they'll be thrilled when they get that message from me. But I, I don't mind confronting them on this issue because I think it's important. Listen, George Santos, whether you like him or not, doesn't matter. You still, he still was elected fairly. You overturned an election, and and you, you took him out. And now it's not very, it's not looking very good for Republicans in New York right now. But uh, we shall see. So I'm going to get on that. I'm going to go send some emails out right after this. Thank you, Gavin Wax, for jumping on with us today. We greatly appreciate it. All right, fellas, you've got to listen in. Valentine's Day is just a few weeks away, and you don't want to get caught being a last-minute shopper. So I've got a plan for you. It's my pillow. The ladies in your life, they're going to love it. Your girlfriend, your wife, your mother-in-law, your mom. They're going to love it when they get a gift from Mr. Mike Lindell and you. Okay, so hear me out. I've just gotten myself a bunch of my pillow products. And so I also gifted it to my friends as well. And these are the things that I would suggest for the important lady in your life. Okay, so head over to mypillow.com right now and make sure when you guys are doing this, you're using promo code Brianna because you could save up to 66% with the promo code. That's why it's so important to enter B R E A. N-N-A, and then you guys got to get these top products. I love them. You got to do the slippers because the slippers are incredible. They're so soft. If you're somebody like me, when I'm walking around in heels after a long day, putting on my my slippers is incredible. You feel like you're walking on clouds. That's a must, okay? That's the first thing that you got to get. Another good one, the Giza bed sheets. I actually just slept on them for the first time last night, and they were incredible. They're so soft. They're not like normally when I get bed sheets, it's like a cheap fabric. It's not like a quality fabric. This one's completely different. So you got to try it. The Giza bed sheets, you won't regret those. Those are incredible. They feel like the ones, the high quality ones you get at a nice luxury hotel. So yes, definitely go with that one. And then if you're looking for another one, there's always pajamas. The pajamas are so comfortable. The cotton that he uses on there are so, so soft. The lady in your life is going to love it because they're going to feel amazing when she's wearing them to sleep. So again, head over. You got to do it now because you're going to forget and you always forget. We always say, oh, I'll do it later. And then you forget. It slips your mind. And then bam, it's Valentine's Day and you messed up. 
So right now, stop what you're doing. Head over to MyPillow.com. Use promo code Brianna, B-R-E-A-N-N-A for that up to 66% off right now. Make sure you head over there and use the promo code Brianna. I want to let our audience in on a little secret. I'm saving hundreds of dollars each year after switching over both of my lines to Patriot Mobile. Yes, so now my business and personal line are with Patriot Mobile. Now Patriot Mobile uses the same towers that you're probably already using now, except it's less expensive. So my 5G towers that I love to use my old provider, I'm still using them now. I'm just paying significantly less money to do so. And on top of it all, Patriot Mobile believes in the same things you and I believe in. They have the same morals. So they donate to causes that are like pro-life causes, veteran causes, and even the NRA. It's incredible. So I highly recommend you head over to PatriotMobile.com right now. Take a look at their plans and sign up. And today, if you sign up and use promo code Brianna, they're going to waive the activation fee. Yes, you heard it right. They're going to waive the activation fee. Just make sure you use promo code Brianna, B-R-E-A-N-N-A. All right. Some of you might remember the January 6th pipe bomb story. Yeah. A lot of people were trying to ignore it, but thanks to Revolver News and Darren Beatty, they've brought that back to the surface and they've been pretty much following it through pretty well. And so we're very thankful for that. But there's a new story out in the Daily Wire. And ultimately, this story says that the FBI uh, cut off an investigation that was pretty much was pretty much almost at the point potentially of finding the suspect who planted those bombs in front of the DNC and RNC. Ultimately, they had a, a Metro fare card and a license plate connected to somebody. And when one FBI agent wanted to go and conduct an interview, they were suddenly shut down. And it's quite strange. Now, many of you on social media were speculating as to uh, who knows who the suspect is. I know I saw a lot of you talking about FBI whistleblower Kyle Serafin and you guys were saying that he knows who the suspect is. So instead of me just telling you about this story, I'm going to bring him in for his his own type of, of response, because ultimately that's what you guys want to know. So please welcome to the show, Kyle Serafin. He is one of my favorite FBI whistleblowers. He is also the host of the Kyle Serafin show, which is available on Rumble. And it's a great show. I highly recommend you all head over there and give him a, fi- a follow. Kyle, thank you for jumping in with us. We greatly appreciate it. Oh, well, it's my pleasure. Thanks for asking. I'm happy to be here. Thank you. Well, so, so many people yesterday on Twitter were saying that you know who the suspect is. And so I have to ask you, Kyle, do you know who the suspect is who planted the pop pipe bombs outside the DNC and the RNC? The short answer is no, I don't know who the suspect is. What we had was a person of interest, and that's not the same thing. Uh, investigations are rarely perfect. They're rarely linear. And if anybody can put themselves back into the mindset of January 2021, it's very chaotic. We had uh, unrest at the Capitol. Whether you believe that it was a patriotic demonstration or you believe it was an insurrection, which I believe it was probably neither at the end. It was somewhere in between both. Uh, what we had was a riot that took place. Some people got involved in some things that were dangerous. And then the single most terroristic act that took place was that somebody dropped one or two pipe bombs and it might have been several somebodies, but it appeared to be one somebody. There were mm-hmm. pipe bombs that were found in Washington, D.C., our nation's capital. And to me, as a, as a former FBI agent, as an FBI agent at that time assigned to the Washington field office, that was a big deal. That's where I went to work every day. I had friends that were walking on those streets. 
And I don't want that. I don't want that in any American city. So the, mm-hmm. the question was, could we do something? Could they scramble in an extraordinary way and try to find someone that would be willing to drop an indiscriminate device in the middle of an urban area that could kill anybody? And so those were the questions that happened. So what happened is my team, I had a surveillance team that I worked with. Um, I spent three years there and we were kind of an interesting group. Generally speaking, FBI surveillance agents and people who do that job are kind of not very well thought of by the FBI. I've actually seen that on social media. Some people are are aware of that. They're, they've kind of been wise to what it was. Uh, I actually requested to be part of that team because I wanted to be in the field doing that work. And we built an excellent team. We had some of the best FBI agents that I've ever worked with. We had multiple languages represented. We had an Arabic speaker. We had multiple Spanish speakers. We could actually conduct field interrogations. We could do surveillance in multiple languages. And we did that. And we also did over 20 uh, nationwide surveillance missions while I was there. So I'm not trying to pump up the credentials. I'm just saying that we were a competent team and given sort of normally outside the range of surveillance requests, we were able to actually accommodate a lot of things. We did arrest as well, what we called surveillance to arrest. So here's the deal. We got briefed at a, at a station in uh, Falls Church, Virginia. This was a, a fire station which I put out on social media and people can go look at it. I know where I was when I got briefed. And the question was this, how can we track down this pipe bomber? What's the situation? Who do we know? And what they told us was, is that there was a Metro card that was tied to the timestamp and the video of the person that we've all seen in the hoodie kind of wandering around DC. That person went into a Metro station and used a Metro card that they were able to positively ID the buyer of the card. Doesn't mean that was the user, just means that was the buyer. And then the second thing was that person exited in Northern Virginia And when they did, the person got into a vehicle and the vehicle had a license plate that was also registered to the same person that supposedly bought this Metro card. Now, once again, I didn't confirm these with my own eyes. I didn't see the records. This is what was briefed and it made perfect sense at the time. That's a person of interest. That doesn't mean that's the person that dropped the bombs. It means that whoever was driving that car probably knew the person who bought the Metro card, right? That makes sense. And so that's a place to start. And we had an address, we had a name, and those pieces of information are now sitting with members of Congress, and they have been for quite a while, but there's some renewed interest in it at the moment. So I guess that's good (laughs) that people are interested in finding it. The thing that's always been strange to me, Brianna, and I've never understood this, how did the American people sort of memory hold this story? Like I said, the single most terroristic thing that happened on 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 that day, and a lot of weird things happened that day. But dropping bombs, number one, seems like a big problem. And then the second thing is, how come we've never been concerned about another bomb being dropped? Why? You ever heard of a bomber that just sent off two bombs and said, that's it, now I'm moving to Argentina? <laughs> no, I haven't. And especially, this is a great point that you bring up because Kamala Harris was in the DNC at the time. And so ultimately, when we're watching the video of how relaxed everyone is when they get the tip that there's a bomb sitting right there, uh, they're all very calm, cool, and collective. And I know Dan Bongino said not to be really on, uh, like, don't be suspicious by that. That's not suspicious at all, that they usually are cool, calm, and collective. But for me, I mean, we're literally watching a group of kids walking in front of the bomb where the bomb is being placed. And those that is, is that Secret Service or is that Capitol Police, the guy in the black? Do you know? Uh, the guy in the black has been confirmed by Thomas Massey and, and others, Steve Baker, who I've been talking to for a while, and I believe Darren mm-hmm. also knows that Darren Obedient Revolver. They've all kind of confirmed independently that this individual who spotted the, the device was a non-uniformed Capitol Police officer. Yeah. Yeah. But you see how they just let those kids walk in front where the bomb is allegedly placed and that they're mm-hmm. all cool, calm, and collective about it? I mean, would you actually allow children to cross a street and go towards a explosive device? Probably not. 
right? That would probably make sense. And so it's strange that all of these things are taking place and no one's really saying much about it these days. Now, I did ask a couple of members of Congress if they had any idea who the suspect was, if they had a name, and they denied it. Their, their staff denied it. Um, so it's interesting. But ultimately, no one's really asking the core questions here. And why is the FBI taking people like yourself off of these cases and shifting them to, to other cases, which I would say are less significant than this. Cause I mean, literally Kamala Harris could have died if that device exploded and went off. And for some reason, the FBI doesn't want to resolve the issue. It sounds strange, right, Kyle? So when we were briefed on this, we got some identifiers about this individual, which I've said previously, we were briefed certain things that I know are probably not true based on doing some independent research on that subject. But we were told it was a, an E9 in the Air Force that had retired, held a security clearance, and worked in the D.C. on a security contract for the uh, for the federal government. Now, not all of those things are accurate, I, but most of them were. And the second thing we were told is that those bombs were inert right up front. Now, what's really interesting and why I think this is, uh, has piqued my interest once again is because I asked to do something that's a little bit unusual. You don't generally have surveillance people that are watching for a living, which is what I did, go and do interviews. But there's a couple of things. Number one, I was in the Air Force, and I have a natural affinity towards people that are in the Air Force. I know how to speak mm -hmm. the language, and I would be a, a natural person to go and do that. Secondly, there's a lot of socially awkward FBI agents and anybody who's been around them. They're not always the best at doing what we would call the bump which is knocking into somebody and, and uh, making a conversation out of nothing and giving them an opportunity to share some information, eliciting information. I actually am fairly good at that, having done outside sales. And more importantly, I was being recruited like for quite a while at the FBI field office in uh, DC to go work for the human squad, to go and actually be someone who recruited human sources. It's something that I love doing. I love talking to people and strangers. And now I do it on a podcast, which is weird. But at the time, it made perfect sense to be like, let me go bump this guy and find out. We were in an exigent circumstance with the possibility that somebody would drop more bombs in the Capitol. No one's ever told me why we didn't think that was going to be the case. And so from that time and at that moment, that was the mindset that we had. And then the other thing was the fact that we heard that these bombs were inert. And then immediately we heard the FBI going on TV talking about how they were potential, you know, explosive devices that could have gone off at any moment. That was not what we were briefed. And, and, the, and you have to ask, why would someone go and do that? Why would you go say something that's not true? And what are you going to gain from that? And then the other last thing was, is that Steve D'Antuano has recently uh, been exposed in a uh, uh, an interview that he did with Thomas Massey and, and Jim Jordan and some others in this sort of mm -hmm. deposition style closed door interview. And they just put the transcripts out once again. And he, without any prompting, brings up this whole Metro card license plate Metro stop situation and says that it was probably handled, but I was too high up to know it. And by the way, he also tries to kind of impugn my honor by saying like, I don't know what I'm talking about with the bomb situation and that I don't know what an inert device looks like. Amusingly for me and for him is that he has no idea what my bomb experience was, which I put out on Twitter, but I went through a demolitions course when I was in the Air Force. So I've got, you know, like a hundred hours of, of blowing things up and building improvised explosives. And I've got probably more of a grasp on what devices look like than Steve D'Antuano, who used to be the former, uh, uh, he was the assistant director in charge of the Washington field office at the time. Yeah. Yeah. It's always funny when they want to discredit what you're saying because you're being transparent with the American people and they don't like that. So they have to discredit the source. And we see that time and time again. So that's no surprise in that at all for me. Uh, Kyle, so here's my question for you. I, I know that when you wanted to go and interview the individual, the suspect, uh, the person of interest, I should say, uh, they shut that down. Did you specifically, who did you speak with? Was it you personally? Did you speak with a supervisor or was it somebody on your team who was shut down? Was it, how did this all happen? I guess I should say. 
Yeah. So uh, in my role, I was the team leader for multiple mm-hmm. people, not like a prestigious thing either. I'm not trying to claim something. Just nobody else wanted to be the guy in charge because it involves more work. So uh, I'm the team leader and kind of the buck stops with you out in the field. Then you either talk to your supervisor or you talk to what's called the case agent. The case agent is the person that's running the uh, the investigation from the field office. And as a field team, generally speaking, you're not actually considered to be working the case. You're actually just a resource that is on the case. Imagine um, SWAT operators that go and serve a warrant. They're not working the case. They're just serving the warrant for the case. And that's the way that my team was viewed. Um, we offered an opportunity. Like I said, we had enhanced capabilities that were beyond most FBI surveillance teams with both linguists and people that could do field interrogations that we have done a lot more aggressive work. We've done what's called tactical surveillance uh, to interdiction. So that's following somebody and then finding the safest way to bring them into custody. And none of those things are like standard surveillance moves. So we kind of operated with an, an expanded suite of capabilities. So I just offered it. The offer was, hey, can I go bump this guy? Let's go find out what we know. And And the odds are, based on what we knew about it at the time. And like I said, I don't think necessarily that the name we were given is in fact the suspect. That doesn't make as much sense based on what we know about that person. Mm-hmm. More likely, that person knew the suspect and might have gotten in over their heads, might have an opportunity to talk to us given the right prompting. And we could have made, and you know, that was all very, very time sensitive. So if they were scared to approach that person, I wasn't. And I was willing to do it. A lot of FBI agents are scared of their interviewing skills. They're not really willing to go knock on a door and try to make friends with a stranger, which is essentially what I did as a salesperson, whether it be picking up the phone or doing it in person. So that's kind of what I was offering. It was turned down by uh, people who represented the case squad. So it wasn't supervisory level. It was a low level request. It's not nearly as big a deal, I think, as, as Daily Wire was making note. Other than it doesn't look like they ever followed up on that. And I've confirmed with my friends who are still in the field office that they never actually did any more surveillance on that lead. And that indicates to me that they probably never actually talked to that person. Because if you talk to that person, the first thing you'd want to do is put surveillance on them and see what they do right after you talk to them. That's standard stuff. And so the investigative one that Steve D'Antuano kept talking about in his interview with Thomas Massey, uh, it doesn't seem like they played that game. I don't don't know why. Incompetence or malfeasance, both are on the table. Yeah. Yeah. And that was my follow-up question to you. And you just answered it. It was, it was, did they ever, after you left the bureau, did they ever go and confront this individual? And obviously you said they didn't, which is strange. If they were really looking to get to the core of this investigation, they would confront this individual. Uh, It's common sense, especially someone who has no expertise in this field. Uh, Kyle, a lot of Americans are outraged that this issue still has not been resolved. Is there anything that the American people could do to light a fire under members of Congress's butts or the FBI to kind of get the, the the wheels rolling on this? Because, I mean, this is kind of outrageous that we don't have any answers still to this day. I don't know that we can directly impact it, but calls to Congress people, letting them know that this is an issue that is still near and dear to people's heart. Number one, apparently we almost had somebody drop a pipe bomb that could have killed the first black female vice president of the United States. That seems like a real big deal based on what the FBI has told us. And so I should see people on the political left that are agitating to find this this horrible MAGA bomber person or whatever that they're going to try to claim. And then the other thing is this. It also looks like a narrative setup. I think Dan Bongino and I have talked about this both on his show, on my show, and then we've kind of had some private conversations. I don't think that there's enough incompetence in the Secret Service because they tend to be very competent. And my experience with them was excellent. I don't think that they would have missed a plain view bomb sitting underneath a, uh, you know, a park bench that was within blast distance of multiple law enforcement officers and then also their protectee within the building. That doesn't sound like uh, U.S. Secret Service type work. So that's a big problem. So then you wonder, well, why was the lackadaisical attitude involved? 
And then you start getting to the fact that it didn't make any sense that it was happening. They had already had another pipe bomb that had been dis- you know, discovered not too uh, far earlier, just minutes earlier. You'd think you'd actually be on a heightened state of alert. And instead, people treated it like it was humdrum, no big deal. They let kids walk in front of it. You would never want to do that. I mean, you should assume that all devices are legit until proven otherwise. And usually proving otherwise involves like, you know, an EOD technician or a bomb squad. So, you know, we need to let people know, specifically our representatives, like this is not done. And we're not done until the answer comes out. I think many Republicans would love to see January 6th just fade away. But Joe Biden said he's going to campaign on it. He kicked off his campaign with a J6 speech, even though if it was J5, because it was too too cold on J6. And he he started off this campaign saying, this is what I'm going to campaign on, that the awful, terrible, no good, very bad Republicans tried to do an insurrection. So it's on the table. And I think it's on House Republicans to do their due diligence and do some real investigative steps, which I have sent over everything I can to the members that are interested. And I hope they do something with it. Yeah, I hope they do. And I hope they give you a call because this is something that we keep, we have to keep discussing and we can't just let it go away. And I find it interesting. We all know the left loves the, the victimhood role. They love to, to paint themselves as victims. So it's quite strange that Kamala Harris really isn't stepping in front of this and saying how she almost died on January 6th. I mean, that's like the key part in all of this for me. Uh, so I think that's telling. No sense. But yeah, it makes no sense at all. Kyle Serafin, thank you for joining us. And guys, make sure you head over to Rumble right now and like his page, subscribe to it. It's a great show. I watch it all the time. I'm always texting you my thoughts. You do a great job with it. So thank you, Kyle. If you're watching the show on YouTube, you might not be able to watch it there much longer. You might have noticed for about a week, we have not been posting anything to YouTube. And it's because, well, they're not fans of the Brianna Morello show for some strange reason. I got this random email last week from YouTube. And of course, it was short of an actual explanation, but it said that we had violated some rule, some blah, 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 and that we were going to be suspended for a week. And ultimately, I mean, if you guys recall, this was the episode where we spoke with Senator Tommy Tuberville. We also spoke with a couple of other people, but uh, one of the segments we did was about the FOIA requests uh, that were received regarding federal funding going to the media outlets and promoting the COVID jabs. So ultimately, it looks like YouTube is not a fan. And so just in case we do get nuked on YouTube and you're watching it from YouTube, which I don't recommend, uh, I would highly recommend you head over to a free speech platform like Rumble and make sure you subscribe. If you subscribe from your phone, you'll actually get a push notification when we go live. And then also, if you want to just you know make sure you're clear on all fronts, head over to briannamorello.com and then scroll. You'll see my Substack page and it's free. Just enter your email address and we'll keep you in the know. So any type of exclusive stories I'm working on, I will send you an email and you will get that exclusively to your inbox. Once again, it's free and I won't spam you. I will only post stories on Substack when they are urgent. And so it's it's a great option because YouTube, well, they're not fans of free speech. So why keep supporting them? Head over to Rumble or head over to my Substack. Looks like you've been sleeping well. Megan, he's back. The my pillow guy. And you're looking good. I'm still feeling good. Well, just when you thought it couldn't get any better, we've got the best pillow ever. My pillow 2.0. <gasps> when I invented my pillow, it had everything you'd ever want in a pillow. Well, now there's new technology that makes it even better. My pillow 2.0 has my patented fill combined with a cooling fabric with temperature regulating thread. My pillow 2.0 is truly the next generation of my pillow. 
Now's the time to go to MyPillow.com or call the number on your screen. Use the promo code to save 50% on your MyPillow 2.0. Not only that, for a limited time, your entire order ships absolutely free. You're sleeping even better. And cooler, too. And you're looking good. Feeling good. I knew you would. MyPillow.com after a long day of filming, I've got to somehow take off all this makeup, but make sure that I put the nutrients back into my skin that it desperately needs. So I found this new skincare line. I have to tell you all about it. Givaderm is all natural products. I use it twice a day. I use it in the morning and I also use it before I go to bed. First up, we have this clay cleanser. This is amazing because it takes up all of your makeup and it smells good too. Vitamin C is so important for brightening your skin. I also used to get super bad acne, and so it's helping, um, I guess, kind of like blending my acne scars a little bit so they're not so bright anymore. Here it is, it's the vitamin C serum. Just little pumps and put it on. And then don't forget your neck. Now moving on to step three, that is their uplift serum. You don't have to do that much. So many times I have like these high-end products and I'm clogging my pores and you can see it. It's literally always around here and around my nose area. But for some reason, maybe it's just because it's natural and there's not all that garbage chemicals that are into it. It seems to clear it up so well. Step four, it's the bamboo mist. It feels so amazing on your skin. I mean, you could literally name all these products that are in it. Definitely also like a cooling. See? And then this one, it's called Nourish. It's like this amazing cream, super light. You don't need that much of it. And always make sure you get under the eye area, not in your eyes. Givaderm has done miracles for my skin. I highly recommend it to everyone, men and women, because guess what happens if you don't take care of your skin? It looks like you're aging quicker than what you really are aging. Natural products, all made in the USA. They don't support any of the garbage that comes out of China. It's not gonna be found in your products. I promise you that. You have to get this product. Click down the link below. Givaderm is the product name and the promo code for 10% off right now is Brianna. Well, let's do a little quick economic update. Now, many of you know, under Joe Biden, our economy hasn't been doing so well, but we've got some stories we want to keep you in the loop on. First one up is big tech. Big tech has been doing tons and tons of layoffs, and it's quite interesting. It all really kind of shadows what's going on right now with our economy. And then just moments ago today, earlier today, I should mention as well, the Fed is saying that it's it's holding interest rates steady. So it's not ready quite yet to reduce interest rates. Now, I know many of us thought that that wasn't going to be the outcome of today's announcement. We kind of speculated a bit, thinking that they were going to reduce interest rates, given the fact that we are now in the official 2024 presidential race year. And so, honestly, this is all very interesting. Uh, I don't know how else to describe it because I am not the economic expert, but I do know somebody who is. Let's bring in Dr. Kirk Elliott. Dr. Kirk Elliott, thank you for jumping on with us today. We greatly appreciate it. Hey, Brianna, it's great to be with you again. Thank you. Yeah, it's great to be with you too. Uh, Dr. Kirk Elliott, we have lots of questions for you regarding what all of this means. And you're my expert because you have two PhDs. You seem to know it pretty well. You've given me enough financial advice. And so what are you making of all of these layoffs that are going on right now within Big Tech? Because it seems quite alarming, does it not? Yeah, well, it's you and I have actually talked about this um, in a, in a different sort of way. So, so the stock market's like at near all time highs, right? Tech stocks are at near all time highs. 
If they were really that profitable, why in the world would they be laying off people by the tens of thousands, right? So in January alone, over 26,000 people were laid off just from the tech industry. I mean, mm-hmm. really, this is insanity, right? So, so, but why? If, if they're profitable, they wouldn't lay people off. Well, here's the issue. I think this is all because of what you and I have talked about, artificial intelligence, people's jobs are being replaced by computers. When people's jobs are replaced by computers, their their expenses go down. They don't have to pay payroll to a computer. They don't have to pay benefits to a computer. They don't have to worry about harassment lawsuits or anything with a computer, right? So, so companies love this stuff. So what happens? Their expenses go down. Prices are going through the roof. Share prices are going through the roof, right? Because they're slashing expenses. Now, The problem with this is these jobs are not coming back. Once you're replaced by a computer, they're not coming back. So what's going to be the net result to the government? Well, you're going to have all these people, 26,000 people that that were laid off. Um, They're going to go to the government and say, hey, I need unemployment benefits. I need handouts. I need some kind of a personal stimulus, right? I need Medicare, Medicaid, whatever. And the government's going to say, oh, shoot. We didn't think this one through very well because we don't have any income tax revenue coming in because a computer doesn't make money to pay income tax. The computer, after they're done with work, isn't walking over to Best Buy and buying a TV, so there's no sales tax revenue. Computers can't procreate and create families that are going to buy more groceries or even go buy a house, so property tax revenues come down. I mean, this is brutal. So what you're going to see is fewer people working, taxes revenues coming down, which means what? They are going to have to print money like there's no tomorrow, right? Mm-hmm. So so here's where this is why I believe after that news came out, the Fed that you said, you know, they, they paused interest rates rather than the expectation that they were going to lower them. Why do you lower interest rates? To stimulate the economy, to um, because you you want to show the world that you've won the war against inflation. You don't have to raise rates anymore to slow down inflation. So you're done with it, right? So now you can start lowering it to stimulate the economy again. Well, they didn't go that far. They actually paused. Why? Because they know without tax revenues coming in, with all these people being laid off, they're going to have to go to the printing presses and inflation is going to persist. So they didn't go as far as what they said they were going to do. And what Janet Yellen and Jerome Powell promised the American public, that they were going to actually start lowering rates again because they've won this war against inflation. Well, this is kind of problematic for during an election year when A, they don't hold true to their promise, but B, they haven't killed inflation and C, they're not lowering interest rates. It's going to be kind of difficult to get votes, right? When, if people are, are really hurt, but but I don't think they give a rip. I, I really don't because the story that came out over the weekend um, about liquefied natural gas, right? So just natural gas. So what is America good at, Brianna? We're really good at oil and gas. It's like one of our strengths. Well, Biden just did the nuclear option and said, we're going to actually pause any new basically applications for exports of of LNG, liquefied natural gas, to the rest of the world. What? 
He put economic sanctions on his own country, on his own companies, of his own people. Usually an economic sanction is held for a rogue terrorist nation like Iran or Iraq or, you know, something like that, where they do something horrible. It's like, oh, we're going to put sanctions on you, make force you to comply. He just did that on his own people for political reasons, right? So so who is he trying to get to here? Texas, probably, right? Because he's ticked that the... Texas is causing a stink about the the Supreme Court voting five to four to remove the razor wire at the border. It's like, and, and their rationale was so stupid. It's like, well, we have to remove the razor wire so the federal agents can actually get to the border to protect us. It's like, what? The razor wire does a pretty good job too. But then yeah. after, and they said, but we'll kind of get out of that whole mess if you start funding Ukraine. It's like, what? They're politicizing yeah. all this garbage. And then two days after that, put economic sanctions on gas. So who's that going to impact? Texas, Louisiana, Pennsylvania, North Dakota, Colorado, Arizona. A lot of swing states in there, right? I mean, people aren't going to vote for them if they're losing jobs hand over fist. But you know what I was thinking about this morning? I don't think what? they care. Because yeah. they've, already got the, they've already got the election thing figured out, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like, Oh, if we don't get the votes, we'll just get them somehow, some way, right? So I don't think they actually care, but they've got a different agenda bringing in a globalist system where they want to create problems. There's no other explanation to me because if there's a problem big enough, big enough, people will give away their freedoms. I mean, this is exactly what we're seeing playing out right underneath our nose. And um, I don't see any other rationale for it. But one other thing, that, that actually happened over the weekend is the GDP numbers came out, right? So, mm-hmm. so GDP is growing at like 2% and they're bragging mm-hmm. about it. It's like, okay, you guys are so dumb. So bragging about 2% growth in GDP, what is gross domestic product? It's everything that you and I and the rest of America spend on products, you know, produced in America at retail prices, if inflation unofficially is at 15%, then GDP should be growing at 15% if it's just a reflection of what we're buying, right? But it's not. It's a two. They're bragging yeah. about it. But here's the problem. To even get 2% growth in our gross domestic product, guess how much of debt that they have to spend to get $1 of growth? $2.50. Mm-hmm. So let's put that into perspective. Let's say um, you've got this great idea for a business and, and I'm your consultant and you come to me and you say, hey, Kirk, I've got this really good idea. Um, if I spend $250,000, I can make a hundred thousand. It's like, Brianna, that's so stupid. Yeah. You're going to go bankrupt in less than a year. Right. Yeah. But yet this is exactly what they're doing. They're spending $2 and 50 cents in debt to get $1 of GDP growth. No different. Just at a yeah. larger scale. And see, this is the nonsense behind Biden's economy and, and Bidenomics. It's killing the American public and our revenue and our livelihood and everything else that comes with that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it seems like they, they, they continue to brag and pretend like the economy is doing well right now. And they continue to lie to the American people. The American people aren't stupid. They see it with their own eyes and they're feeling it with their wallets when they head out to stores and make basic purchases at the supermarket and whatnot. And then also I thought it was interesting today as well, job numbers came out, the private sector job growth 
cooled sharply in January to 107,000. So it was worse than expected ultimately. And so everything around us is telling us the economy is not doing well, it looks like. Uh, but the administration is saying that it is doing well. Do you see any of this turning around in the next couple of months? Or should we all start buckling up and prepare for something that might be inevitable at this point? I'd buckle up. But here's the problem. You're buckling up in the back of an Uber where the driver is drunk. <laughs> it's like, what, what are you going to do? It's like, okay, I'm buckling up, but this is going to be a wild ride. Um, so so here's the reality of the job situation. 18 of the last 20 months manufacturing jobs have gone into decline. See, when, when Trump was president, what was his goal? Make America great again, bring manufacturing jobs back to America. This is gone. This is out the window. 18 of 20 months. Manufacturing jobs are the bread and butter to the U.S. economy, which what is going to follow that? Housing collapse. So you've got major recessionary problems in, in manufacturing jobs, the housing market. I think 2024 is going to be this awful mix of, of recessionary pressures hitting America with inflationary policies because with the BRICS nations rising up and taking away the demand for the U.S. dollar, we're going to be forced to print because there is no more capital inflow. This is part of the reason why I believe the Fed didn't lower rates today. That's, I, I don't think that they, they can't. They absolutely can't. In fact, I think as the year goes on, we might see a rate decrease because they well, they want to stay true to their word and say, we told you we're going to lower rates. But I think they're going to keep raising them as time goes on. Very problematic during an election year. So I'm eager to see how this plays out. So with all of this nonsense, what do you do to protect and preserve, right? It's like, I, would you go on the stock market, the bond market? I don't know. No, there's no revenue. People aren't spending money. I would actually allocate into silver. I wouldn't even do gold right now. I would yeah. do silver in the last two weeks. Silver's up well over 5% in two weeks. Oh. I mean, that trend that's is impressive. amazing. And that's because of the inflationary pressures, the unsustainable debt, the political chaos, the manufacturing demand for all of it. It's going up. And this is really great that we can actually have an option to invest in and to thrive where we don't have to have a frown on our face every second of every day because Biden's killing the economy. We can take advantage of that by allocating properly. Yeah. Yeah, we could. So you've got a plan for our audience. I know when you and I spoke too, you recommended silver and uh, here's just you know what we got now. I am now investing this way because honestly, I, I do think it's safe. I do think it's secure. And like you said, the US dollar just doesn't have the influence that it does all across the globe. I mean, I was watching somebody on Twitter talking about how he's traveled to Mexico pretty much his whole life. And they used to beg for US dollars uh, as the form of payment, but now they're actually not accepting them anymore in certain parts of Mexico. So for our audience, you have a great service that you're willing to provide them with. Uh, and it's over at briannagold.com. We actually have a brand new website. So Dr. Kirk, can you please give them some advice as to uh, what they should be doing and how they can prepare themselves and how simple it is just to fill out this form here on the website and then have one of your experts, one of somebody from your team, give them a call and kind of walk them through this potentially. Yeah. I mean, just go to briannagold.com, fill out the form. And what's that going to do? You're just going to say, hey, I, I saw Kirk and Brianna talking. I'm, I'm concerned. I'm really concerned about retirement. Help me. 
right? So it'll ask you a couple of questions. One of my schedulers, I think I have like 18 of them. Not a, yeah. I have a lot. They'll, they'll just get you on the calendar with one of my consultants where we'll dig in deep, listen to you, hear your concerns, hear your fears, hear your dreams, map out a strategy for success moving forward using tangible assets like gold and silver to protect, preserve, grow, and thrive. And then this is where our journey together begins, not ends, because moving forward, what are you going to do? We will watch the market for you so you don't have to, and we'll always let you know when it's time to buy, sell, reallocate, get out of Dodge, do whatever needs to be done to make sure you're in the right place at the right time the majority of the time. That's our goal. And the reason we spend so much time on that, you could be in the right place at the right time, right? We're like, if you were to just call us and buy gold or silver, like you could with almost every other e-commerce gold or silver dealer on the planet, you wouldn't get the education that you got. Like when you called us, Brianna, what did we do? We explained why we're doing what we're doing, why it makes sense. And what does that do? It minimizes your, your stress, your anxiety, because you know why you're doing what we're doing. And that's what we strive to do. Yeah. Yeah. And that's often, uh, I, you know, I was concerned, honestly, I just, I celebrated paying off my student loans and I was getting ready to head, head into the next, next phase, which is home ownership. And then, uh, Biden took over and I got a little nervous, but we worked out a great plan and I don't feel nervous anymore because like you said, silver is doing significantly well. And that's how I'm preserving my assets right now. So I'm thankful for that. So again, guys, if you want to just have a chat and kind of walk, take the steps through all this, it's so important to do. You could talk about your financial goals, and then this would be something that would be super interesting for you to do. Head over to briannagold.com. You fill out the form there, and then someone will contact you to give you all the information that you need potentially with the scheduler and then move forward on that. I think it's just such a great service that you offer because I think a lot of people right now are getting a little nervous, but you know, this is this is good to have these chats. And we're just so thankful that you offer the service to our audience because it's really important. Well, thank you so much. I I really love doing it and I appreciate it. And anybody who wants to call, reach out, go to the forum, give us a call. We'll bend over backwards to help. Yes. Thank you, Dr. Kirk Elliott. We appreciate your time as always. You guys, I've said it once before, so I'm going to say it again. Under the Biden regime, I've never been more worried about my financial future. I called my good friend, Dr. Kirk Elliott, because I wanted to come up with a plan put in place to make sure I was secure. And he came with a plan for me to invest in silver. I'm rich. I've got my silver. I'm feeling so much better about my future. I highly recommend you give him a call and just chat with his team. 720-605-3900. And you could also head over to his website if you'd like to schedule an appointment. It's kirkelliotphd.com slash Brianna. Fannie Willis's case in Fulton County, Georgia, well, it's imploding. And we're going to tell you all about it. It's imploding because Fannie Willis is allegedly a very corrupt elected official. We just say the word allegedly to play it safe. But there's new recordings of Fannie Willis allegedly speaking with an employee who turns out to be a whistleblower. And it's jarring. This audio we're going to play for you shortly comes from Free Beacon. They exclusively broke it today, this morning. And it's amazing because it comes from uh, Fannie Willis's former employee. Ultimately, this is a whistleblower back in 2021 who's literally giving her a tip that one of her top aides is misusing federal funds. And well, I would tell you all the details in it, but we've got the tape. So let's roll that. 
if you had to give me a sentence, what is the sentence theme? Once I told him about his respectfully and in an email about his lack of leadership and the fact that he wanted to do things with grants that were impossible. And I kept telling him like, we can't do that and questioning stuff. He would take me off projects, tell people I wasn't doing what I was supposed to because I questioned him because I understood. I helped write that grant. I knew what was in that grant. He told everybody in front of Crystal, Deontay, everybody, we're going to get macbooks we're gonna do that we're gonna get swag we're gonna use it for travel i said you cannot do that it's a very very specific grant took me off i questioned junior da there's kids in there from out of the the um the county all this took me off junior da i did not want to do it he made it look as if i wasn't doing what i needed to do because i questioned him because so, i knew for a fact mr cutfee respectfully did not know what he was doing so, period so I respect that is your assessment. Um, it was clear to me that you and Mr. Cuffey were not getting along. And I'm not saying that your assessment is wrong. I want you to really listen to the words I'm saying. Cuffey, and this is my personal opinion to one woman to another, is dangerous to your administration. He tells people, when I reached out to you, he told me, oh, um, you think your word is safe? Um, exactly when you reached out to Miss uh, Willis, she called me and told me, she tell me everything. So once you reach out to her, she's going to reach up back out to me. So I didn't even go to HR okay, he put Dexter's name on my PDP and I didn't even feel safe going to anybody. Can I tell you something? Mm-hmm. I have three supervisors that have failed in this building. What's interesting to me, because I'm in a learning curve too, they each pretend to have a relationship with me that they do not have. I guess that's an intimidation tactic. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry that you felt that way, but you, Dexter certainly don't have no relationship with uh, right. Michael Cuffey. You were safe to go those places. Okay, so after that discussion, that woman, that video was actually, or the audio was actually fired and she was perp walked out of the building. So you fire a whistleblower telling you that a member of your top, one of your top aides is misusing federal funds. That sounds filthy to me, but don't take my word for it. So in Fulton County, Georgia, they are trying to clear the filth and they're doing so by, you know, this next part of all of this. So Nathan Wade, who was the special prosecutor, gosh, special prosecutor hired by Fannie Willis, the woman you heard in that audio, well, guess what? Now, these two have paired up, obviously. We told you about it before, and they're going after President Trump. And it all came out, their corruption and the filth that's going on behind Fulton County closed doors. And it's all becoming out because of a divorce that Nathan Wade is currently having. But all of a sudden, randomly yesterday, that all came to an end. Nathan Wade settled his divorce temporarily. And so there will be no more public hearings regarding him and his ex-wife. Hmm, that's strange. That same ex-wife is the one who told you and presented the bank records of Nathan Wade and his boss slash lover taking trips. Those two right there. Okay. So now all of a sudden, all this dirt is coming out. It's no longer because he's decided to now settle his divorce. Now it's quite interesting, the timing. We can make allegations. We could speculate. But obviously, this has been an ongoing divorce for quite some time now. Now it's coming to an end because, well, the truth's coming out, right? Obviously, Fannie Willis should have never hired somebody who was a private citizen who she was also potentially allegedly sleeping with. And we'll be cautious with those terms. But she should have never hired him. And he's been paid over $600,000, guys. 
$600,000 in Georgia taxpayer dollars to investigate President Donald Trump and his co-defendants, who are great Americans. They're patriots. They love this country. And they're being targeted by that woman, Fannie Willis. So interesting enough, obviously, now they are all being exposed. And like I tell you all the time, the truth always comes to the surface. It just matters on who's going to listen. And still, in Georgia, Georgia Republicans like Brian Kemp, who's the governor, Chris Carr, who's their AG, they don't want to talk about it. I've reached out several times asking whether they're going to open an investigation into Fannie Willis, and they will not respond. Now, it's interesting enough because, well, these individuals pretend that they are on the side of democracy, and they're pretending to be non-biased, but heck, I don't care how much you hate Donald Trump. This is where you step out and you say enough is enough and you protect Georgia taxpayers by putting an end to all of this. Ultimately, Fannie Willis has to be pulled off this case, right? She should not be the one prosecuting at all. Special prosecutor Nathan Wade's got to go too. She's got to get tossed. She's got to be fired. But ultimately, even if that happens, I'm told that the judge is likely just to put somebody else in her position and to let these, this case drag on. And so there's really no end in sight. Now, Georgia House Republicans... They're looking into all of this, and uh, Democrats in Georgia are saying, ah, it's, a, it's just a targeted political hit job. Yeah, okay, honey. It is not a targeted political hit job. This, this is a corrupt district attorney who is being exposed for just that. And it's all coming to the surface, and we look forward to continuing bringing you the details that really matter in this case, because let's be honest, this woman is trying to take down President Donald Trump. She's trying to interfere in our democracy by doing so. And she's also trying to take down great patriots as his co-defendants. And they're not going to back down. They're not going to take a BS plea deal like Jenna Ellis. Jenna Ellis, garbage human being. But ultimately, they're not going to take a plea deal because they know nothing illegal happened during 2020. And they know it. And so they're not going to back down. Fannie Willis is going to have to be the first person to back down because she is a fraud. And so we'll continue to bring you the facts here on The Brianna Morello Show. Well, looks like, guys, Somalia is not sending their best. And we have evidence now, thanks to Enwokeness on Twitter. So let's talk about it. Ilhan Omar, many of you guys know her as a congresswoman from Minnesota. She's full of hate, rage, and she's looking to destroy the United States. Now, that's not overstepping when I say that. It's not fear-mongering either. We now have evidence that she is not America first. In fact, She's here not to represent Americans. She's here to represent Somalians. And she's not hiding that. She's actually been quite outspoken about it. And that's what's so fascinating about these new sound bites that are coming out regarding just that. Now, over the weekend, a clip of Ilhan Omar started circulating. And, well, it was deeply concerning. Now, I held back from showing you guys this because I don't speak her native language. And I wasn't sure if the translations were accurate. But it's been out for a couple of days now. And she has not debunked any of this. So let's play that clip clip that's really sending everyone on social media into a frenzy. Minnesota, 
gabadhi congress aa u dirsateen way idin ka warheysa sidaad idin ka u dareemaysiin dantaas ay u dareemay madaxweena xasan sheekhna Did you guys hear that? She's working from inside the United States government for Somalians, not for Americans, Somalians. It's pretty alarming, yes, but it's expected from this woman. Many of you have speculated that she is not somebody who loves this country. And well, she continues to show you just that. I want to bring you another soundbite where she continues to refer to Somalia as her country, or should I say our country. 2016 is election cycle and you guys have the ability to make an impact on where our nation is headed not only here in the United States but even in our nation back home Did you guys hear that our nation back home she doesn't see America as her country She sees it as a temporary visiting spot where she could prioritize herself and her people back in Somalia and she's just literally using us. But it doesn't end there of course. Another video made its way to social media and well, she's referring to the Somalian president as our president. Awa an fursad u helay madaxweena heena madaxweena Somalia madax So you heard it from her directly. She does not see this as her country or Joe Biden as her president. She sees this as a temporary visiting place, a way to kind of push forward the country of Somalia. So she's completely violated her oath to this country when she decided to become an American citizen. She instead has an allegiance with a foreign country. Isn't that enough to get you expelled from Congress these days? It's all quite concerning. And then there's this video I must remind remind you guys about. Ultimately, this video was disturbing. It's Ilhan Omar and Rashida Tlaib, another American-hating Congresswoman, and they're literally laughing, laughing about the American casualties in Iraq. Take a look at these women. As we're talking about the people who in this country who have died in Iraq for this country, They are laughing and having a great time right behind them. And ultimately, it's not a mistake. It's not just a judgment error. They're laughing at you. They are enjoying this. American soldiers dead is good for these two. They hate America. They are not contributing to our country. They are only taking from our country. When they were sent here from their country, Somalia for Ilhan Omar, they were sent here because of hate. Now I also want to bring up another really important photo. It's Ilhan Omar with her husband. Take a look at this photo. Now, you might see this as just a regular white man sitting next to her, but ultimately this was somebody who worked on her campaign. That man worked on her campaign. That man was married. And Ilhan Omar allegedly had an affair with him and took him from his wife and family. And now it's her man. Isn't it funny how they just assimilate so quickly? She would have tried that in her own country. Would they allow her to be walking around? Hmm, interesting. But listen, this isn't a call for violence or a call for hatred. The only call that we have coming from this show right now is to expel Ilhan Omar. She must be expelled from Congress. She is, does not love this country. She hates this country and she is only here to destroy this country. 
It's Somalia first, America last. And she's going to utilize all of her resources to make sure she pushes forward the Somalian people. And she doesn't give a rat's ass about the rest of you. Hey, everyone. I'm getting ready to head out right now. But before I go, I always have to put on some deodorant. And I used to look all the time for the best deodorant. I couldn't find it on the shelves at all until our good friends over at Give a Derm came out with a brand new deodorant. This one's called Pits Me Off. It's incredible. Watch this, it's super easy. Ta-da, and that's all you need. And it dries super quick. Obviously, I'm wearing black. There's no white residue left over. It's a natural deodorant. It's made right here in the USA. There's none of those Chinese harmful chemicals also included in it. It's giveaderm.com, and then use the promo code Brianna for 10% off. You gotta try it. And if you enjoyed that segment, make sure you hit that like button. And if you want to see the news before it becomes the news, you have to subscribe to our channel. And well, if you have a liberal friend that you're looking to save, make sure you share this content with them. 